for the next week or so, I want to take an opportunity just to share some devotional thoughts, some things I've been meditating and reflecting on, because I've had lots of time to do it over the past week or so, since I am quarantined in Canada right now, and I have eight more days to go. So I hope for the next week to share some devotional thoughts with you. And this first one today is something I've been thinking about for about two months now. For two months, a passage in 2 Chronicles 2 has just been ingrained in my mind. I've been thinking about it quite frequently, almost daily. And let me set the stage for you. In 2 Chronicles, Solomon has just come to power. But in order to fully set the stage, we need to rewind just a little bit. Before Solomon, David had been working to procure materials for the temple. And he had forged relationships and allies that he was using to get these materials. And one of these allies, these close allies, was a king named Hiram. Now Hiram got on David's good side, which is a great thing for Hiram because those who were on David's bad side really did not fare well, just ask the Philistines. But Hiram became a very good ally and supplied quite a few materials through David for Solomon to finish the temple. And now if we come back to our setting, in 2 Chronicles 2, Solomon is asking for a few more materials that he needs, some cedars in order to furnish the temple. And no one does cedar better than Hiram and his people. So Solomon sends a request to Hiram for materials, for workers, to see what Hiram can do to help build God's temple. And Hiram's reply has been stuck in my head for these past two months. Let me just read it for you quite quickly. 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 11. Then Hiram, responding to Solomon, Hiram, king of Tyre, answered in writing, which he sent to Solomon, Because the Lord loves his people, he has made you king over them. Or let me paraphrase it this way. I can tell God loves his people because he made you king. Wow. That is a stunning thought. What a compliment. And I almost wish we could stop here because that's a really feel good thing to stop on. But we have to start asking some questions. How could Hiram say that about Solomon? Hiram was an unbelieving Gentile. He didn't believe and fear Jehovah in the same way that Solomon and Israel did. So how could Hiram say that? That was the type of quality of Solomon's character, his actions to display God's love. See, in Israel, in the Old Testament, part of the way the Jews, actually the main way the Jews 
converted people to Judaism was by them coming through the trade route up from Egypt on the King's Road. They would stop in Jerusalem. They would see the temple and they would go, this God is awesome. But Solomon knew that was not enough. Simply worshiping God and captivating others when they see our worship of God wasn't enough. His personal character and his negotiation, the way he treated others, even unbelievers, had to be of the highest type of character. And so Solomon's character was such that Hiram could say, God must love his people because you are an incredible gift to Israel. But let's make this applicable to ourselves. Could an unsaved friend look you in the eye and say, God must love your church because you are such a gift. Now that question should make us pause for a second. Because again, that's high praise. Or conversely, if you can't envision someone saying that, we need to pause and ask why. At work, do my coworkers see that I am lazy, unproductive, unmotivated? I don't care. Because if, if they see that, they're never going to say, wow, God must love the church because you are such a gift. Because if you're lazy, you're definitely not going to look like a gift. Or on your athletic team, if you're just another one of the guys losing your temple, temper in the heat of the moment, then you're no different. You won't be viewed as a gift from God. Could someone look at you and say, God loves the church. I know this because he gave you to the church. And we can even take this one step further here. Could an unsaved friend, again, look you in the eye and say, you know, I'm not sure if this God that you're talking about, if he's real, but if he is, I sure know that he loves me because you are an incredible friend. That's another tough question to ask ourselves. Can someone be convinced of God's love for them because of your friendship? And tomorrow I hope to talk about forgiveness because forgiveness and particularly in 2 Corinthians chapter two is such a mark of Christianity. It distinguishes between genuine belief in unbelievers so distinctly. Because the type of forgiveness that Christians practice and the type of forgiveness that the world preaches are very different. They clash. So if your friend, this unsafe friend, wrongs you, realizes they have wronged you, and comes to you and apologizes, and you refuse to grant repentance, they will never be able to say, man, your God must love me. I know because he gave me you as a friend. Those are just 
a few quick thoughts from one verse, 2 Chronicles 2 verse 11. This unsaved king saying to Solomon, God must love his people because he gave them you. David was a tough act to follow, man after God's own heart. But Solomon managed to do it because of his character, at least in the early stages of his life. Could your friends who are unsaved say, you are a gift from God. I know God loves his people because he gave them you.